0: So every day around, like, 5 a.m., I would wake up when everyone was still asleep, when it's still dark outside. I would sit down on the floor and try to list things that I'm grateful for. I would start simple. Like, I'm grateful that I woke up today. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful that my parents are still with me. I grew up in Aleppo, Syria. This is actually the coffee guy. He's actually selling like uh, traditional coffee in the streets. He, so he usually taps the cups together. Aleppo is a very like old, ancient city. It has a lot of culture. There's a lot of sense of community. Cafes here and there, people sitting down and talking to each other, playing cards, playing board games, smoking shisha whatever. <laughs> very spiritual calls for prayers, and people caring for each other, and a sense of tranquility, serenity, peacefulness. Yeah. Maybe the first sounds of change were actually after the Friday prayers. People started protesting, and they started chanting for freedom and wanting to remove the president. Things started to get scary when you start hearing the missiles at night. They would be fired from Aleppo. Like You'd feel the building shaking, the sound. I was like 15, 16. Caught in the crossfire of Syria's civil war, Aleppo is being destroyed. We started having those conversations. My dad brought us all together and he was like, if anything happens to me, this is what you should do. Get the money from here, leave the country, contact those people. Yeah, like We're going through scenarios where if things go wrong, this is what you should do. There was even a night where the shooting was happening on my street, and that was very, very scary. It made me jump out of bed and under the bed. I was like, what is happening? Is it this close? Is it really this close? Do I even have a future here? Why are we going through those scenarios of oh, things go wrong? Like it seemed like I was investing my time into, into nothing. Everything that I was trying to accomplish in Syria or in Aleppo was probably going to go away. And I was really worried about my parents then. I was like, are they safe? How can I check on them? It's not until you look back at what this ancient city used to be that you realize what is being lost here. There were a lot of pictures of, like, children covered with blood and ambulances. Those moments, those news clips, those were my dreams for a very long time. I would see myself in Syria, me among my friends, on the rooftop, having a good time. And then a missile gets fired in the air. You could see it leaving the city. But in my dreams, I could see the landing. I could see the landing of that missile. And I could see how it affected people. And as soon as the missile hits, I wake up. Before the war, this is what the city center looked like. Narrow alleys and covered souks, UNESCO World Heritage Sites. The Ruins are just buildings. I got ruined. Nothing else. I feel sad when I see blood. When I know that there was actually a family living in that house. Or it gives you perspective. What it really like, it makes you question life and like, well, what really matters? What do you really care about? What do you really love? Because a sense of home is a sense of being safe, surrounded by your loved ones. Yeah, we love it. We definitely lost a sense of home and we had to find it somewhere else. As hopes for the latest Syrian ceasefire are eroded, so too are the remains of hundreds of years, even millennia, of history in Aleppo. We just we wanted to escape for a few weeks, and that was the plan. And that's what we did. So I finished my senior year exams, and we left in early July 2012. We came to L.A. I'm a U.S. citizen because I was born in Florida. But I don't say I'm an American. Sam so am a because I grew up in Syria. A lot of people were telling us, you shouldn't come back right now. It's very unstable. You don't know what's going to happen. Just wait a few few more days, maybe a week or two, because things were really getting bad in, back in Aleppo. The airport closed. I was the one who actually was, like, making this customer service calls, paying the bills. It finally became my responsibility. It was not a burden. It was a huge honor. I wanted to be there for them because... My family was always there for me. We just didn't know how long it would take until things settled down. I just didn't know how to process it. I didn't know what to think of it at all. I I definitely knew that. It did not feel like a vacation anymore. I was no longer happy with just us waking up, watching news, eating, and going back to sleep when things were really going wrong and we were losing a lot, I decided that I should actually start a list for things that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for my mom. I'm grateful for my father, for his love, for his strength. I started noticing that every time that I kissed my dad goodnight, he would, his eyes would be really, really red and they would be watering. And I knew it was like, it was because of him crying. Um, but he never cried in front of us. And that was my saddest moment because my dad was always my role model. He was the backbone of the family. He was the person that I looked up to. The strongest, most confident man that I know. But when I saw him cry, I knew things were not all right. And I was no longer sure if the family was going to be all right it just made me sad it made me sad i just didn't know what to do i didn't know if i was still going to go back to see i didn't know if i was going to actually start a life here in the us so all i told myself is hey maybe i should start by making friends so how do you make friends you start going to school and i was looking for the nearest community college and it was santa monica college i just fell in love with the education here i was always a good student. But here, I felt like it was happening so naturally. I was like, I wanted to learn more. Just give me more. Honestly, I wanted to do medicine before when I was in Syria because I saw how my dad affected, how my dad's career impacted a lot of people, how he actually made them happy. A lot of people knew my dad. I felt like I was the son of a celebrity. He was called the king of tonsils. Yesterday, my dad texted me, like, Marhaba baba, in Arabic. I was like, hi, dad. Uh, And I just called him immediately. And he seemed sad. He seemed really sad. I just didn't know why. And I felt very guilty to be here. I was like, I told him, I was like, should I come to LA? And he told me, no, no, things are fine. Things are fine. I was like, I'm just like in a bad mood recently. So he spent his Saturday grocery shopping or something. He was he did not enjoy it. But I knew it was not that. He seemed sad. He seemed really sad. I just wanted to go to LA so badly. But I told him that. Which means like, dad, I love you so much. Please take care of yourself and go out and have fun. He went to the hospital. Because he felt chest pain. He's alright. And I was in there for him. I thought I was very strong. I've been very strong for a very long time. And I think I'll still be strong. Yeah, I wish I could be there for him as much as I wanted to. But I know that there will come a day where I just will be helpless. I just cannot save him. I'm looking forward to the day where he actually feels like the things that we gained here in the U.S. far outweighs the loss that we endured because of the war. Okay, this is my sister, and she's holding my, uh, that's my niece. Uh, My nephew's birthday right here. The rest are all like family and friends, and we're singing happy birthday to my nephew. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. I look at my family, and they're all smiling. They're all laughing, even though they all have big, big responsibilities. Uh, That's my dad. That's my dad is cutting the cake. When I got into Stanford, I sent him a text message telling him that I got into Stanford and I am the man that I am today just because I I had him as a father. And I would never have been able to do anything if he hadn't been this amazing father for me. If he, had, if he wasn't the king of tonsil that I was looked up to. And he texts me back. He was like, you made the last five years of pain completely worth it. You make every day worth it. Actually, when I look back and say things were hard, I actually remember how hard they were. I remember them vividly, how hard they were. It was pitch black. And I didn't know where to go from there. A lot of what I hear from my friends and, like, relatives, they tell me that people are sad. People are no longer smiling as much. People are scared. People are worried. There will be a Syria. The, yeah, there will be a Syria. And I think it will be... Much better Syria than what is now, a happier Syria. The current Syria might be a bit angry, sad, worried, confused. I don't want to represent that. I want to be there for that. I want to change that. Yeah, I want to represent the Syria that I knew, people who care for each other, who love each other. مرحبًا أنا بشر Hi, I'm Bashar. I'm Dr. Bashar Ashuri, the son of Dr. Bashar Ashuri. I'm from Aleppo, Syria, and I'm now a first-year medical student here at Stanford.